Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Our sermon text for our meditation this morning is our epistle lesson recorded for us in Peter's second letter, the first chapter beginning at the 16th verse. To be sure, we were not following cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the powerful appearance of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he received honor and glory from God the Father. When the voice came to him from within the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We heard this voice, which came out of heaven, when we were with him on the holy mountain. We also have the completely reliable prophetic word. You do well to pay attention to it, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Since we know this above all else, no prophecy of Scripture comes about from someone's own interpretation. In fact, no prophecy ever came by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were being carried along by the Holy Spirit. Lord, these are your words, and therefore they are your truth. We ask that you'd increase our faith through them. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed, We've watched the scene play out time and time again in movies and in TV shows. One of the characters is dying, and he's trying to get out his final word. And so we see other characters in that movie and, or TV show gather around to hear that important word that he is about to speak. Maybe he's going to speak the name of his killer or some clue to the mystery or maybe express his undying love for someone else. Whatever it's going to be, it's going to be big. It's going to be profound. And so they listen close. Well, today in God's word for us, we have a final word of Peter. As Peter says just a, a few verses before our lesson for today, God had revealed to him that he was soon going to depart the tent of his body to go and be with the Lord. And so he speaks a final word as a dying man, an urgent word to those that will remain to encourage them to stay in the faith, to stay strong in their faith and to live for Christ. And especially in our lesson for today, in our verses before us, he's encouraging them, encouraging them to lay hold of God's promise of the return of Christ in glory on the final day and to also not forget the glory the glory that he himself saw on Transfiguration Mountain. So our theme for this morning is don't forget the glory. Don't forget the glory of the Transfiguration. Don't forget the glory because it's real. Don't forget the glory because it means blessings for us. Don't forget the glory because we are tempted to do so. What Peter shares in our lesson for today might leave us kind of scratching our heads, though. If you recall, after Jesus' ascension into heaven, as the disciples were gathered on Pentecost Sunday, Peter and a number of the other disciples were proclaiming the good news of salvation to the Pentecost crowd. And in the midst of his sermon on Pentecost Sunday, Peter says that he was an eyewitness. An eyewitness, though, of a different event. An eyewitness of Christ's resurrection. That he had seen Jesus alive with his own eyes. We think about how important that truth is, right? It's the linchpin for our entire Christian faith. It shows that Jesus is God. It shows that his word is true. It shows that he himself has power over death. And it shows that 
that God also has accepted his payment for our sins on the cross. And so we might wonder, why doesn't Peter mention that he was an eyewitness of that event? Why doesn't he bring up the resurrection here? Why is he focusing instead on this event up on this mountain, the transfiguration of Jesus? Well, we find a clue at the beginning of our text. Peter says this, We're not following cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the powerful appearance of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's important to note that that word appearance is the word parousia in the original language. And that word refers to Jesus' second coming. And so what Peter is talking about here is how he and the other apostles had revealed to their listeners that Jesus was going to return in glory on the final day just as he had promised. So that's how it makes sense now that he's now referring to another incident of Jesus' glory that he himself saw, that he himself witnessed. But note what he says. They weren't following cunningly devised fables. Do you like fairy tales? I think both uh, kids and adults alike probably like fairy tales. They're fun for kids to hear. They're fun for adults to tell, right? And, and why do we share them? I think a, a big part of it isn't just because it's a fun story, but it's so often that those fairy tales teach a lesson, right? The fables tell a story, uh, an, an important truth. Maybe we can think about that fable, Aesop's fable of the tortoise and the hare, right? It's fun to tell, but it, it teaches a lesson for children, not just to assume that because of your own strength, you'll automatically win, but actually put in the effort, finish the race, slow and steady wins the race is, is really the, the lesson that's taught there. Or maybe we think about a story like the three little pigs. It's, it's a whole lot of fun to do the huffing and puffing as part of that story. But it's also there to teach a lesson, to teach a lesson to kids to do a job well and to do it right the first time. Well, some people think that that's the reason, the only reason why stories are recorded in the Bible. It's a collection of fables and myths meant to teach other lessons. I came across such a pastor who has such a thinking or, or thought for the stories of the Bible this past week as I was researching this text. And he makes the point that he thinks that this story was written to show that Jesus is alongside Moses and Elijah, that he's also a part of the same Hebraic tradition being shown alongside of them. He appears in glory to show that he's a prophet and also to show that he himself is the one who reinterprets and reshapes that Hebraic tradition. There's probably some things in there that we could would say that, well, those are maybe a, a true statement here and there. What does Peter say in our lesson for today? He says, these are not myths. This is not a, a nice story that I'm telling you. This actually happened. I saw it with my own eyes. James and John also saw it with their own eyes. We saw Jesus transfigured before us, shining with bright light, as bright as the sun. I am an eyewitness of these things. Now, we think about how eyewitnesses are often critical, right, to a, a case. In fact, maybe a case can even hinge upon an eyewitness testimony. And if that witness is reliable, a judge or even a jury might make their decision based even solely on that eyewitness account of what they saw and what they heard. 
But as good as eyewitness accounts are, they also can lack at times, as I mentioned to the children. And maybe that eyewitness doesn't remember everything. Maybe that eyewitness, in fact, didn't see every aspect of whatever happened. And so Peter goes on, and he says that we have something even greater than an eyewitness. We have a sure prophetic word. He says we have the word of God that is reliable. And why is the word of God reliable? Because it isn't just a, a collection of stories. It isn't just man's own interpretation. It's the word of God that he inspired, the word that God, the Holy Spirit, gave to the writers to put down pen to paper, the words of God himself. And we know that word is trustworthy because we see how many prophecies have been given in the Old Testament and have found their fulfillment in the New, especially in the person of Jesus Christ. So Peter is saying, we can rely on my eyewitness account. You can rely on God's word that says that Jesus' glory was revealed. And what that means is that his promise of coming again in glory also is true. We think about how important it is for us to remember this and to regard this as a true event, especially as it means blessings for us. Blessings for us, especially as we consider a couple aspects of Jesus' glory. It shows his power, and it also shows that his promise of bringing us to glory is true. We think about that first one, showing Jesus' power. You know, during the, the season of Epiphany, we often see glimpses of Jesus' power, as many of his miracles are recorded as, as we read them in God's holy word. And we see that he is the Son of God. But perhaps not so more clearly than in the events that take place in our text for today. As he appears in the, the glory of God, like so bright that the disciples can't even look at him. As he, we also hear the voice from heaven, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And this assures us that Jesus is God and that he has the full power as God. Now we are reminded in God's word to call upon him in the day of distress. He promises that he will deliver us and we will honor him. Jesus reveals by his transfiguration that he is God and has the full power of God to help in our times of trouble. But so often we can forget that, right? I have a, a relative that we go visit a couple times a year. And this relative's getting older. And so often when we're there, they maybe require us to help around the house a little bit. And one of the things that we often have to help doing is move items in the house. And so, for example, uh, one such time I was asked to help move some boxes. And these boxes maybe were about this big, about 10 pounds in weight or so. And so I say, sure, yeah, I'll help move those boxes. I know you're getting older and uh, can't do as much. And so I get to it and start picking up a number of the boxes. And this person says to me, well, hold on, wait, they're really heavy. Just, just do one at a time. To which my wife responded, he is a grown man, you know. Making the point that I can carry much more than they could as I picked up four boxes and brought them out to the car. 
Sometimes I think, though, we can be like that when it comes to God, especially when it comes to our Savior Jesus, to think like, yes, he, he wants to help, but how could he really help? As we maybe imagine what's, what's possible in, in the realm of reality, forgetting that he is far greater than us, that he has all power in heaven and on earth to help, and that he means it when he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. As he invites us to call upon him in the day of distress, he promises to help according to his will. But also we think about the blessing that he has promised. And we are not to forget the glory as he promises that he is going to return one day in glory. The transfiguration confirms that Jesus' promise is true when he said this in Matthew 25. The Son of Man is going to return in glory and all the angels with him. He will sit on his glorious throne. He will put the sheep on his right and say, Come, you are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Peter wants to remind us, especially by sharing his eyewitness account of the transfiguration, that Jesus already appeared in glory once and he saw it with his own eyes. He certainly can do it again just as he promises. And he goes on to say this, you do well to pay attention to God's word as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. He tells us to, to treasure God's word and, and to think about that word as a light shining in a dark place. As we feel like our life so, so often is filled with so much uh, trouble and difficulty, cling to the word. Cling to the promises of God. Cling to the glory of Christ that's been revealed in that word. And that glory that God has promises will be ours with him one day forever in heaven. And it reminds us of St. Paul's words when he wrote, For I conclude that our sufferings at the present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. Yes, we are tempted to forget God's word, though. Tempted to forget the glory that Jesus revealed. As we can be overwhelmed by so many things that happen in this life. But St. Peter is telling us, don't lose hope. Don't get distracted by this world. Focus on the word. Don't forget the glory. You know, it's hard to do when we are surrounded, though, by the secular world. The secular world that taunts us at times. If your God is real, why doesn't he show himself? If your God is real, why do you still experience trouble just like everyone else? So we experience the temptations of the world. It says, why listen to a stuffy old book? Do what feels good. Follow your heart. And so often we give in to those temptations. We can doubt God's promises. It's important for us to remember, though, Jesus himself. Especially as we prepare this week for the beginning of a new season, the season of Lent, where we focus on Jesus' passion, upon his suffering and death. We think about Jesus himself there up on the Mount of Transfiguration. God was revealing to him his glory, allowing Jesus' glory to be known there as a way to strengthen him as he was about to endure so much trial and trouble and tribulation as he is about to be arrested in the garden as he is about to be surrounded by mockers, as he is about to be tempted. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. He saved others, but he can't save himself. 
But yet he still stood strong, didn't he? He still trusted that God's will for him was good, that God was going to glorify him again, just as he had before, and that his glory would be made known once and for all to all mankind on the final day as he will return again in glory. So he shares this glory with us today to encourage us in the same, to encourage us in our lives filled with trouble and trial and tribulation, to encourage us in our lives of hardship as well, to not lose hope, but to remember the glory. Remember the glory that Christ has revealed. Remember the glory that he has promised us. And to know that Jesus is going to come one day to bring us to be with him forever in heaven. And he's not going to do it because we've been so good at obeying God's law. He's not going to do it because we've been so good at resisting temptations and resisting especially the temptation to doubt God's promises. But he's going to do it because he has been so good in following his Father's law and following his Father's will, because he has chosen us to be his very own, because he has brought us to the knowledge of the truth through the Holy Spirit, because he has given us faith in our hearts and he keeps us strong in that faith through hearing his holy word that promises the glory that will be ours because of him and not because of us. And so St. Peter reminds us, don't lose hope and don't forget the glory. Remember the glory that Jesus shone forth on the Mount of Transfiguration. Trust that his promises are true, that he's going to come one day to bring you to glory because he has forgiven all of your sins on the cross, because he has shown his power over death and the resurrection. He's going to bring you to be with him one day forever in heaven. So live for him now and trust his holy word. Don't forget his glory, the glory that is ours in Christ. Amen. I invite the congregation to please rise. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.